This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An, and Ti Xiao Ik in the studio this Thursday afternoon. Now, it is World Art Day today, uh, which is an international celebration of the fine arts, but also really of all forms of art, which nurtures creativity, innovation and cultural diversity. Now, World Art Day is also used as an occasion to shine a light on arts education in schools. And we'll be speaking to Lim Sun Heng from the KL Shakespeare Players about how their group has adapted to the times in order to continue providing art education to Malaysian students. But, you know, speaking of the importance of art in our lives, we want to hear from you. Did you consume any form of art to help you cope with the pandemic? And uh, this is especially uh, during the lockdown period, right? The movement control order that was imposed last year. And this could be any form of art. Um, online plays, musicals, exhibitions. Uh, so do tell us, um, you know, uh, whether you did consume some form of art and how it helped you as well. Uh, uh, you know, we do have a poll with that question on Twitter at BFM Radio. And there are two options there for you to choose from, yes or no. Uh, but you can also tweet us um, your other thoughts or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Hmm. So April 15th is actually the birthday of Leonardo da Vinci. And it's the reason why the International Association of Art, which is a partner of UNESCO, chose to also proclaim it as World Art Day. And that's in honour of the famed Italian polymath. So da Vinci was chosen as a symbol of world peace, freedom of expression, tolerance, brotherhood and multi- multiculturalism, as well as to signify art's importance to so many other fields. Mm. Now, the world, the first World Art Day was held back in 2012, so actually not too long ago. Um, and events varied from special museum hours to conferences and more. Um, one example being Venezuela, which held outdoor art exhibitions with paintings, sculptures, prints, video and more, mm. as well as a Florentine cooking demonstration in honour of Da Vinci. Sounds so fascinating. And speaking of fascinating, here's a story that I'd like to share with you. And this made um, headlines across the globe um, from World Art Day celebrations that same year, back in 2012. So um, there was controversy surrounding the celebration in Sweden that year when the Swedish Minister of Culture at the time, uh, Lena Adelson Lily Roth, was photographed cutting a cake shaped in the form of a naked black woman. Now, not only that, when the cake was cut, the head of the cake started screaming in pain. Oh no. Yeah. So, um, you know, this piece of performance art was meant to be a statement against genital mutilation. Um, unfortunately, there, there was a bit of backlash. Um, mm. There were people who found that depiction racist and some actually called for the Swedish minister's resignation. Mm. So the artist behind uh, the cake, Makoda Linda, who is black but was born in Stockholm, said that um, the work had been misunderstood. You know, the cake, which was in the shape of the naked upper body of an African woman was filled with a blood red sponge. Um, the artist himself had then painted his own face um, and, and he took the place of the head of the cake and those screams heard from when the cake was being cut that was the artist himself mm-hmm. screaming out you know when, when someone um, you know if you have a look at the video it's when someone cuts the cake then he'll start screaming yeah. in pain. And, and that part of the cake is supposed to symbolise um, well I guess you know is, I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to articulate it symbolise the genital mutilation that occurs. Yeah. Mm. 
So he told BBC at the time um, that his art had tackled different prejudices and ideas of oppression for many years. And he said, and I quote, I've been doing this by revamping black faces into different contexts. So when the Swedish art organization asked me to design a cake for them, it felt totally natural. So for the Swedish culture minister's part, you know, at the time she said that um, she understood why many felt this was provocative. And, you know, she, she felt that it was a bizarre situation for her as well, you know, mm. because she had been invited to speak at World Art Day about the freedom of art and the right to be provocative. And then she was asked to cut up the cake, right? Which is uh, a pretty usual part of, uh, you know... Any celebration. That's right. Or, or ceremonies, unfortunately. Um, the cake proceeded to scream at her <laughs> as she cut it. Um, you know, so that's something that, I mean, if you Google uh, this, uh, you, you will be able to see it. And it'd be interesting to find out what you think as you watch it as well, right? How does this kind of performance art make you feel, you know? And this kind of debate and controversy <laughs> at the very first observation of World Art Day, no less. Um, and, and, you know, whatever your reaction to uh, a piece of performance art like that, these reactions are indicative of the power that art wields. It can manipulate emotions, it confronts us with very uncomfortable questions, and of course, it will trigger furious debate as well. Hmm, and really, it shows that, you no, know, there's so much to learn, share and celebrate all the time, but especially on World Art Day. And UNESCO hopes that um, these celebrations can help to reinforce the links between artistic creations and society, um, to encourage greater awareness of the diversity of artistic expressions, and also to highlight the contribution of artists to sustainable development. Now, World Art Day is also used as an occasion to shine a light on arts education in schools, as culture can pave the way for inclusive and equitable education. So we'll touch on this um, a bit more later when we speak to Lim Sun Heng from the KL Shakespeare Players. Yeah, but we can't talk about World Art Day this year especially, right, Suen, without talking about how the industry as a whole has been hit so hard since the start mm. of the pandemic and the crisis hit really hard at arts, culture and the creative economy. And this comprises so many various industries. It includes film, advertising, fashion, as well as creative occupations such as musicians, artists, performers, designers, people who work behind the scenes as well. It's, a, it's really a huge uh, industry and economy. So last year, findings by Malaysia's Cultural Economy Economy, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Sorry, Malaysia's Cultural Economy Development Agency, or Chandana for short, uh, in their COVID-19 Impact to the Arts report, found that some 93% of the 519 art players that they surveyed were negatively impacted by the pandemic. So 93%, that's really significant. Mm. So based on stats from early 2020 alone, close to 70% of arts organisations lost most, if not all, of their income. And and 46%, that's almost half, had their events postponed, while the remaining 30% suffered cancellations. Mm, I mean, the irony of all this, of course, was that all of us who were locked up at home, we were all seeking an escape through art in some way yeah. or another, right? You know, whether it was you binging on TV shows and movies or, you know, watching all the different plays, um, dance performances, musicals, stage performances that were being streamed online and mostly for free by art companies across the world. Um, you know, we, what we saw was 
a global move of solidarity, generosity and compassion to comfort a scared and locked up yeah. global population. And, you know, here too in Malaysia, our artists continued to create and generously share their works with us. Despite that, you know, they were getting close to zero income during these times. There were online performances staged, readings, um, or the release of stage productions for streaming as well. And you know, a lot of us were enjoying this for free. Yeah, and we covered um, a number of these, didn't we? Mm. Um, we did a short stint of shows called Front Row Under the MC, That's oh, right. which we tried to highlight uh, these productions, um, you know, that you could watch from the comfort and safety of your home. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say that even with the, you know, the pandemic devastated healthcare systems and economies around the world, it did also focus attention, perhaps more than ever before, on the cultural sector and on the role of digital technologies in uh, sort of like disseminating content to, as you said, you know, locked down, stressed out and bored populations, right? Yes. Um, so governments, citizens, artists, cultural workers and really citizens generally um, reacted to the unprecedented disruptions of the COVID-19 pandemic in a variety of ways. But all of these actions suggested that creative activity was important on a number of uh, uh, levels, right? Cultural value was most prominently evident in the economic sphere, but was also reflected in actions aimed at strengthening the social and democratic fabric of society. Mm, and I guess the now, you know, there is a cliched and almost eye-roll-inducing adjective of unprecedented is, <laughs> is often bandied about as a catch-all term to describe these times. But I think, um, you know, I really think the crisis reminded us how much art and culture are vital needs for humanity, right? Just look at how many people who... Um, turn to the arts when previously they weren't really paying much attention to it during That's the right. pandemic. And, you know, uh, in the words of a poet, Aimé Césaire, who puts it best... Just as man needs oxygen to survive, he needs art and poetry. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. That's a lovely quote. And, and it is true that um, we found so much, I think, solace, comfort uh, in being able to um, watch uh, many of the performances that we featured on Front Row under the MCO last year. And we enjoyed um putting on those, uh, uh, having those discussions, didn't we, Sue Anne? Because mm. we got to explore them as well. And many of the performances were made available to a global audience where previously it wasn't before. Mm. And it was really, uh, especially with performances that perhaps I wouldn't have checked out otherwise, mm. you know, whether because of interest or cost or location and things like that. These were things that suddenly, you know, everyone could watch for a bit. And, and it got me interested in things that I previously weren't. You know, I got so interested in watching plays that were streamed um, during the, the MCO period, the lockdown periods mm. across the globe. And it was so fascinating to sort of find these little gems that on my own, I probably wouldn't have yeah, watched otherwise. Know, right? Dance performances, um, um, ballets. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. Th I can't remember. Now. There, were there were online virtual museum um, tours, tours that you could yes. do as well. That's right. And so it is really um, all the more tragic in a way that um, arts workers have sort of been getting the short shrift all this while um, when really they kept, it's their work, their efforts that kept us going and kept our spirits up uh, during these difficult times. So after this quick break, we're going to focus on another important aspect that World Art Day hopes to shine a light on and that's on the role of arts education in schools. In the meantime, we'll be back for more on World Art Day. Keep it here on the Daily Digest, BFM 89.9.
Welcome back to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture. It's Lim Su and T. Shawik in the art house today. So <laughs> each year World um, Art Day is celebrated on the 15th of April and that's exactly what we're doing today. And it's to remind us about the links between artistic creations and society and to encourage greater awareness of the diversity of artistic expression. So it's also a time that's used to highlight the role of arts education um, in schools as it's widely accepted that culture can pave the way for inclusive and equitable education. So the KL Shakespeare Players, or KLSP for short, has taken on this role of providing arts education in our public, uh, local public schools. And this is the, what they're doing through their online HIP, or Highly Immersive Program with Storytelling Project. And it's actually approved by the Ministry of Education Malaysia. So this program is open to all prim- public primary schools in Malaysia. And the shows are performed live by the KLSP actors, aided with original and and complete with audience interaction as well. So joining us now um, to share more about this initiative is BFM's erstwhile um, front row producer presenter and also the executive director of the KL Shakespeare Players, Lim Sun Heng. So welcome to the show, Sun Heng. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. So before we get to the HIP project you've got going on, let's talk about the local scene. Now, I mean, over a year, we're over a year into this pandemic. Are you seeing a positive push to bring arts and culture back to life here in Malaysia? For sure, there are people trying very, very hard to get things going. I think KL Pack has done a couple of shows and even uh, uh, one that is live. Uh, so, and also Sutra House with this dancing fundraiser. So people are, people are trying hard. Ah, Masakini, another organization that had a live performance. Uh, but of course, with a limited capacity, uh, the one that I'm aware of that with Sutra House, they they, they did it at uh, PJ Civic Center, but it was a fundraiser. The KL Pack one was uh, my Bollywood dreams, and it was done in uh, Pentas one with half seating capacity, so about you can get about 200 plus people in there. Um, and then with the Masakini, uh, there's this the studio, of course, um, Ramli Hassan Studio, that and that that space. I guess it's quite intimate. So on the whole, people are trying and people want to, but we ourselves have not. Uh, organizations like Chandana uh, and My Creative Ventures are also trying to find ways to get performers to, to do things to sell so that they can also support in these uh, initiatives. So yes, people are trying. We are not yet. I'm still unsure. I, I think... With all this talk about a fourth wave and schools reporting little infections here and there. So I think I'm, I'm acting on my own insecurities that because I am myself not going to a, into a physical space to see a show, I just don't think people will. So that's what that we have not. So mm, I mean, that's completely understandable as well. But, you know, taking a, a, a look back uh, at last year, what was 2020 like for the KL Shakespeare players? How did you come to terms with what was happening and how did you cope? Yeah, I mean, the year started well because there was, a, even though this, you know, COVID-19 was supposedly started in 2019, here, we really didn't feel anything about it, although this word from the oh, there's this, uh, an infection that's coming out of China. And we're hearing, you know, little rumors and bits and kabar angin here and there. But we managed in February to do 20 plus 
in-person shows oh. and even travel up to Penang. And I think our last show was uh, maybe like early part of March even. And then, of course, COVID-19 and the lockdown. And that's when we all kind of stopped doing anything. But of course, at the start, we all felt oh, kind of... Oh, we are lucky now. We get a little break because we didn't, we didn't appreciate how serious this was going to be. So we said, "Oh, this is our imposed vacation because we've been going flat out, uh, doing shows, doing shows." And uh, for a while, it was really quite lovely, you know, sitting on the balcony, eating breakfast a little slower, <laughs> listen to the birds, everything quite quiet. Mm. But then suddenly it dawned on us, "Hey, we have actors on our payroll." So what are we gonna do? And that's when uh, we started to say, okay, we talked to some centers, uh, art centers in Malacca, Johor, uh, Kuching, about working with them to keep their students engaged. And that's when we started with coming up with our own online, live, interactive storytelling. And that's how we kept going. And last year we ended up doing 40 such shows and we also managed to do 10 corporate training shows. So for theater companies, I would think that we were quite lucky. I mean, we didn't make a lot of money because folks were not sure whether it would work. So we kept our ticket prices low, but it was enough to stop us from hemorrhaging. We bled, but we didn't hemorrhage. Hmm. But I think everyone was craving artistic outlets, right? I mean, we say how, you know, uh, we saw how in this time of crisis, people turn to the arts for comfort, stimulation, creativity, and most importantly, escape. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yes and no. I think we all, there's some, I think people talk that game, you know, that we need something that is more human now that we are all isolated and within our walls. But on the whole, we are not a culture that goes to the theatre. I think live music is another thing altogether. Uh, is, I, I think on the whole, musicians can can operate. I'm not talking about during the pandemic, but op, you know, musicians overall can have a sustainable lifestyle. But for people in the theatre, I, I, I think it's you know, dance, theatre, all that. You know. So while I, you know, I, I heard people say, oh, I want to go to the theatre, I want to see a live performance, but I think that number is very small. Already we are, the number is small. <laughs> yeah, it was a really tough year for so many. And like you said, you're already a small industry. And in terms of recovery, the arts is often at the bottom of the rung when it comes to receiving funding and those sorts of things, right? Correct, yeah. I mean, funding for the arts is still a big, big issue because it's not seen as a priority. And even if you talk to schools and all of that, if there is a need to cut anything, the, the arts go. Although the arts is the, the thing to kind of promote as, you know, we are creative, we are culturally connected and are aware. But on the whole, I still think we are a country where if anything goes first, uh, the arts, yeah, sad to say. But like you said, you know, a few leisurely breakfasts aside, you picked up and did a lot in 2020 and you have lots more planned um, in 2021. Now, one of the aims of World Art Day is to shine a light on arts education in schools. I know this is something that you at KLSP has been doing um, through your online HIP or highly immersive program with, sto uh, with storytelling projects. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, in a way, it started uh, last year uh, in November. Early in the year, 
uh, Yayasan Saim Dabi was going to sponsor us to take our live performances into schools. But of course, uh, everything was approved, but come March, it couldn't happen. And so the, the proposal just kind of like just set and then because you cannot do it, nobody's going to fund you. So we reapproached them and said, look, what if we were to do this online? And so they gave us uh, uh, the opportunity. So in November, there was a, a window when students returned to schools and, and we had the idea, we zoom into schools, we can do it live and interactive. And we were supposed to do with just a small group of schools in Pahang. But once we announced it, so we got quite a lot of schools from, from Pahang, from Kedas, from Johor, Sabah and Sarawak. But, but we kept it small because it was only announced through our Facebook. And then, of course, when you do anything with MOE, you have to mention it to uh, the state education offices. So, so it was all kept very quiet, relatively quiet. And when we reported what we did, well, we had close to 1,600 plus, 1,700 students and some 30, 40 schools. And, and then we roped in people from the IPGs. So you have us. Uh, trainee teachers who came to see us because they were being trained to teach TESOL. Uh, so we had IPG students coming to see us. We had some state education officers, some uh, district education officers. So we, we compiled the report and, and sent it to Yayasan Saim Dabi, and they were very pleased. And so I said, look, we would like to do this again next year. And then they said, well, you, did you fill out uh, an application? Of course, by the time we did our show and submitted our, our report, it was already December. If you want to do anything in January, February, you need to finish your application by October the year before. So we said, of course, we didn't want to apply because this wasn't finished yet, you know? And they were very good. So this, that within a week, we were all writing the application. They said, go ahead. By Friday, we submitted the application and uh, they approved it. And even as they were in the process of talking about it, we had on our side had to start planning. We announced to just a few schools that we will, six schools, we picked six schools. We said, we will do a program with you uh, and we will start on March 9th. In the meantime, our application in February was still, still wasn't decided yet because the board was meeting at, at the end of February. And we told them, look, we cannot wait for your answer and then start planning because then they will push everything back. And especially when you're working with the Ministry of Education, the state level and all that, it's, it's, it's a long process. So the week we opened, we, we got approval, verbal, and, and up to this point, we still haven't signed a, a written contract yet, you know, but we are doing it. And, and there's, as far as I'm, I'm aware, they're quite pleased with, with what we've done. The target was for something like 30 plus 40 schools, 3,600 students for the whole program, you know, are reaching out with the storytelling. And then with uh, six schools of about a total of about 150, we, are, we have a kind of a continuing follow-up after the storytelling. We do a follow-up and we talk to them about theater skills and storytelling skills, which the students then will... Uh, pick up and then they will do a performance at the end of the year. So we'll have a total of 16 contact hours with this group of 150, 150 students. So we kicked it off March 9, 9 o'clock. And lo and behold, 
we thought you know we'll do with 3000 students we ended up with over 7500 students and we still have requests coming in from schools saying can we participate can we participate and we say yes yes if we can find you room so some schools when when they first came in said look i got 200 students uh, how many logins can i get you know that kind of that kind of issue because you know with the uh, zoom and and all of this that you have a limited number of logins so we with our professional package even then it's only like 100 logins but we ourselves have to take up some for our actors and the technicians so based just on that we say like you know Right now, we have applications from schools representing something like fifteen thousand, and we can only do about half. And I have approached the Ministry of Education, telling them this is the situation, and I said, since you have D-Date TV, we can do something for you. Well, well, we told them that in February today. Today, we still have not heard anything. Yeah, and if that isn't a testament to how art-starved our local schools are, I don't know what else is. The thing we keep hearing from the teachers is this statement that how come we didn't hear about it or that why aren't there more of these kind of things because we our students have not been exposed to anything like this but of course funding is often the big issue ministry of education will give approval but will not fund such a project but luckily we have a great benefactor Mm. And well done and congratulations on such an enthusiastic response to the program. Now for the sessions themselves, you call it an immersive experience, right? So tell us um what actually happens during these sessions? E- equally immersive for us because to do the storytelling, we of course we cannot just have talking heads. You know, we are with the target age group that we are working with are year 4 students so they are about 10 years old. And you know children will not just hear talking heads. So being this is World Art Day we drew all the pictures that they would see as part of the storytelling. So we are doing like we're doing Sankanchil. In November we did a Russian folktale called The Fool of the World and we did all these drawings and I must say that the the people on our team they are actors yeah they are not they are artists but they're not visual artists did a, an incredible job to the point that when i showed it to some folks who are in animation and they found out that this is what we are doing they said wow you guys are doing some incredible work uh so we not only drew using adobe to draw and then have to animate all these some of this with with animation also you know over powerpoint so so the powerpoint is on a shared screen so the on zoom so the kids could all see this and then the actors will appear on the side we use an, another platform so that we can combine the actors and the shared screen together so then you see the actors playing the role of uh, sankanchula boya uh, kerbau uh, and how they, they create the voice as the as the creature and how they uh, as the narrator so each actor will have at least a couple of voices you know that is if they are playing one animal if they are playing several animals then yeah uh, for instance when i was playing taper i had to go online to discover what kind of noise does a taper make and my gosh it's like a whistle it's a real was, you would not imagine a taper could make that kind of noise so the immersive part so first we had to create that kind of show sort of thing so 
we send links out to the schools. We tell them that such and such a time we will do the storytelling. And we are doing it during class time, you know. But we won't tell them. <laughs> We're doing it during class time. We zoom into the, the school. And some schools literally fill out a hall full of kids. Uh, the school assembly hall. Then the kids are seated in uh, socially distanced chairs. And then our images and the, the image of the story is projected on the screen. So through one computer, connect, internet-ready computer connected to a projector and speakers, and then psh, voila, we are on the screen. And the, the, the big fun part of this is in our storytelling, because it's interactive and because we want the kids to be involved, of course, we use polling. We, we sometimes ask the teachers to say, okay, here's a question. And if your student has an answer, uh, can you raise, use the, the raise hand icon and then we'll call out the school, the teacher will call out. It's, it's not a very tidy way, but it is interactive and live. So we ask open-ended questions like, you know, okay, Kanchil uh, wants to get across the river. Uh, what can Kanchil do? So the kids suggest, some will say, oh, surfboard, you know. <laughs> some say, oh, oh, use a helicopter. Then, okay, we'll look for a helicopter. And, and so we, we use whatever they give us and we, we play with that. So because Sang Kanchil is surrounded by Boya, you know, I'm sure you know the story about Kanchil and Boya. So the, the Boya all surrounded Sang Kanchil. And we say, hey, now we want you students to help Boya catch Sang Kanchil. So we pull a class into our Zoom session. For a while, the kids are not aware until that their teacher said, look, you are on the screen. And then we put Sang Kanchil in that environment and say, catch Kanchil. And you can see them trying to catch Kanchil. But something they don't know is that when they are captured and they are put on screen, what they see is, is that, you know, how when we see ourselves, our right hand appears as left on the left side. Twitter. So Kanchil may be on your right side, on the screen, but if you move to your right, you're actually going to the left kind of thing. It's, it's all inverted, you know? So it was so much fun. You could see the kids at first, like, quite, can't quite figure out what's going on. And then the teacher would tell them, look, he's on the other side. And, and it's a really quite hilarious and, and fun. Uh, we do that. And so, every, so, so we are, our next storytelling is in uh, May 18th and 20th, our second story. And we have to figure out, okay, what other kinds of interactions that we can do. So this kind of pushes us and uh, we have to up our game. And so how is it immersive? The whole notion of the immersion is that we do the storytelling in English. Uh, questions are in English. Everything in English. Partly because we are quite aware that outside of Clang Valley, English... The level of English is, you know, maybe I don't have to say anymore, but th that's how it is, yeah. So right. this is for, for many schools, wow, this is something quite quite extraordinary. And, and we, we also get to hear from teachers, you know, you all speak English so well, but where are you all from? So we are all Malaysians, so... So again, your Klang Valley is a bit different here. Yeah, sometimes I think we do get caught up in our own little Klang Valley bubble, right? Uh, but, you know, looking forward, Sun Hing, what are some other plans you have in the pipeline? Uh, actually, at the end of May, we have an online King Lear. So, of course, we are working with green screens. And again, you know, we are not meeting face-to-face -face at all. So, for instance, we, are, we, we say, okay, we want to do King Lear 
out in the heat and the storm is happening. So what I do is I stand in front of my green screen and then Ken Lee captures me. And then Ken Lee goes and captures something that looks like a storm, a video, a video. And then, so we rehearse this way. Say, okay, Sun Heng, now go down on your knees. Okay, I don't want to see you yet. So I have to keep one eye on the monitor to see what he has put on, which is what the audience will see. Yeah? And then the rain starts. So I see the video of the rain, the thunderstorm, the lightning. And then I slowly climb up, but just getting up on my knees, like, you know? So I pretend that, that the top of this thing is, is when I put my hand on, it's, it's actually just air, but I pretend that it's, uh, it's land, that I'm pushing myself up and getting up above, and I look out and it's the rain. And, and so that's what we're doing. And, 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 and in some of our shows, what we have to do is, because we are, just like you right now, we are dealing with a webcam capturing our image. So if I'm pretending that there is, or acting with another actor who is in his own home, but we are supposed to be in the same scene together, it's possible with the same green screen, we can share the same backdrop. But now I have to talk to him and then I have to keep my eye line in such a way that it creates the illusion that I am looking at him or her and this person is there. So what we have to do is face our wall. <laughs> say, okay, somebody is watching. Say, okay, now. Uh, I say, okay, I have to look at uh, Azul and, and, and June. Okay, where are they? Okay, okay. Uh, they are to your right. I, I look down further, down further. Okay, okay, okay. Then I go and put a little bottle there or mark my wall. So, so the next time I look at that spot when I talk to them. So it's all like that kind of acting, which is, which is worse than acting in front of a TV camera or a film camera, because at least you can see a pair of legs and a big camera pointing at your face. Here's a little, a little dot, uh, an incredible amount of uh, patience. So for us, we have to stay interactive. And, and that's how we have created our niche to the point that we've been doing this also for corporate training. And for big companies, multinationals or conglomerates, I mean, of course, they would prefer to do this in person, uh, any kind of training. But under the present COVID circumstances, this is the best thing that they, they think uh, for themselves. Hmm. But what an amazing amount of adaptation, you know, your arts practitioners have also had to make. Um, now, before we let you go, Sunhing, any last message that you'd like to leave us with? Of course, we ourselves are very much targeted at schools and, and, and corporate training. And there's a gap that is kind of missing. And I guess like people like you, know, like you at home after, I mean, like, you know, after work, if COVID were not around, we would like go out and have a drink or go to a comedy club or something that's more so at least perceived as educational or I must watch Shakespeare because it's high culture, whatever. So we are developing something online that's for people like you and we hope it will be entertaining and although we're not sure when we will get it done we will have a showcase we are aiming for in sometime around june july and we are using all the things that we have learned about how to incorporate two different platforms to create a, a totally different experience so look out for that 
All right, excellent. We'll be marking our calendars and keeping an eye out for updates uh, till then. So thank you so much for joining us today, Sun Heng. That was Lim Sun Heng, the Executive Director of the KL Shakespeare Players. Um, and he was sharing how the troupe have been adapting uh, have been adapting to trying circumstances and how they're bringing arts education to our local school children and teachers. Yeah, and you know, speaking of adapting, World Art Day is supposed to be a day that promotes creativity, right? So really, hats off to the folks at KLSP, you know, Sun Heng and his team and really all the other arts practitioners out there as well mm. who have had to get extremely creative to continue sharing their art and their efforts with us all. So um, do keep up to date on KLSP's work by following them on Facebook or you can also head to their website klshakespeare.com.my um, Now, we, we, we did want to find out from you, you know, um, did you consume any form of art to help you cope with the pandemic, especially during the MCO and, you know, perhaps uh, how did it uh, help you cope with things as well. Um, so we had 61.2% of you voting in to say yes, you did. Um, surprisingly, quite a high number who said no, 38.8% of you say you didn't. Uh, a couple of comments as well. Um, we had Alex Yeo, who uh, said he followed the Stratford Festival. So um, I just very quickly looked that up. I think that's a festival uh, that actually takes place in Ontario, Canada. And, uh, you know, last year it was put on hold, but um, the festival made a number of video productions from previous seasons and new video material um, available on the festival website and on YouTube. So um, it looks like they're doing something similar uh, oh, no, no, no. This year, they are doing some open-air productions with reduced cast sizes and social distancing. But thanks for highlighting that to us, Alex. It does sound really interesting. Um, we also have uh, Jen Tiu, uh who said, Art of Netflix, my. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people sort of uh, consume that form of that art. Form um, not just during the MCO, but I think continuously up until now. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, if it helped you to cope, um, they, that's great. Uh, uh, and uh, just a heads up, the Evening Edition team are also celebrating World Art Day today and they are going to be looking at Malaysia's traditional art scene and how that industry has fared over the last year. So do keep an eye out, uh, an ear out sorry, for Inside Story at 6pm today for that coverage. Mm. But in the meantime, you know, do celebrate World Art Day in whatever way you can. You know, work on a small art project yourself mm. and share your artistic creation on social media with the hashtag World Art Day and of course you can also learn more about world famous artists, right? Watch an iconic art movie movies such as uh, Mona Lisa Smile, Waltz Before Mickey, Midnight in Paris or Frida or, you know, head out to an exhibition near you and support our local artists. Just, you know, mind those SOPs when you're out and about. Okay, good advice. Yes. (laughs) So that's all the time that we have for today's show, This World Art Day. You can also look us up on Facebook at BFM The Bigger Picture and get in touch with us directly there. But as always, if you missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast on bfm.my slash daily digest or on the BFM app. Now coming up at 3pm on Live and Learn, Dashan Johan will be speaking to James Chai, political commentator and head of commercial and research at Invoke Solutions and they'll be taking a look at the Amno Pasper Satu partnership and whether they're bitter rivals or BFFs. So stay tuned for that after the 3pm news bulletin. This has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.